Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 847. Sometimes you can't fix what's wrong. You know, sometimes you just have to deal with what you have. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special two-time guest returning from yesterday's show, John Nickus. John, are you buckled up and ready for another fun ride? Well, I think you should hear. That's really true here. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to have some fun. What initially started out as an attempt to cheer up a sick friend ended up inspiring thousands around the world. When John Nickus and his 1953 Austin Healey 100, known as Grace, covered more than 300,000 miles, visiting children and adults afflicted with cancer. Beset by daily mechanical difficulties and traveling through heat, hail, rain, and snow, grace became a rolling metaphor for people struggling with this terrible disease. Rusting badly by the hour, sagging on tired springs and covering almost a 1,000 miles a day, Grace and John spread their message of hope and resilience across the country refusing to give it in to the daily obstacles that appeared in their path. As John once explained, sometimes we don't have the luxury of going forward when things are great. Sometimes we have to sally forth when things are falling apart, physically, emotionally, or financially. The key is to press on regardless, even when the night is dark, the wind is cold, and the oil pressure is falling into the single digits. (laughs) What a quote of Got goosebumps on my arms just reading that, John. The journey received worldwide press coverage, including national and local television features and profiles in the Extra, New York Times, and U.S. Today. Today, Grace appears at museums across the country, while other drive-away cancer cars have assumed the mantle of visiting children to bring some light and oil leaks into their lives. So, John, I have told our listeners just a little bit about this incredible journey you've embarked upon. Yesterday, we talked about your book, Rule Britannia, which, of course, one lucky subscriber is going to win a copy of. But would you take a moment, share a little bit more about what inspired you to go do this drive and, of course, your passion for British automobiles? Well, I mean, it's really simple. I mean, I guess the old saw is that when all you have a hammer, the, the world looks like a nail. It's really true in this case. Grace was actually um, purchased by a friend of mine in the local Austin Healy Club. And this is a cautionary tale for everyone out there. Never buy a car on eBay sight unseen. So, (laughs) (laughs) especially from northern Michigan. So, he bought this car sight unseen and it arrived in, let's say, somewhat less than stellar condition. The frame rails had rusted away. The owner or the seller, I guess had patched it with newspaper and Bondo and then rattle canned it black to make it look like there was a frame there. Oh, my gosh. The engine had almost no oil pressure. The body you could see from one side to the other. I mean, it was just a really bad car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had kept it in his garage for about seven years and just kind of sat there. And finally, his wife gave him the ultimatum that he had to get rid of it. And by this point, it didn't run. So he asked if I would take a look at it, get it started, food itself as a running car. And I did that. And went to go return it to him, and he said, you know, I need you to hang on to it for a while. Um, and it turns out he had just been diagnosed with stage four multiple myeloma and had been given a couple of weeks to live. Oh, my gosh. So, oh. 
you know, and, and the hammer part comes in, you know, so the only thing I really knew how to do was drive. And so I called some friends up and said, you know, hey, Mike's really depressed and he doesn't think he's going to make it. Um, I'd like to take his car and drive it across country and back. And they're like, well, you've got to be crazy. That car's not going to make it down the street and back. Right. And I said, I know. That's the point. Yeah. Because we're going to make it. Yeah. And when we do, he's going to think, I can make it too. Uh. And so, you know, we uh, called our friends at Moss Motors who generously gave us some parts. Uh, not enough, as it turns out. But we set out um, from the Huntington Beach Pier. And the objective was to drive from there over the Pacific Ocean to a spot on the Atlantic Ocean. And then drive back in time for uh, Monterey Week at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I at times have more optimism than sense. <laughs> um, and I didn't think it was going to be that difficult. But it turns out I didn't make it out of uh, L.A. County before the car broke down the first time on that first cross-country trip. And the car just continued to break down. And, and on that first trip, we used almost 350 quarts of oil. 350? Um, Quarts of oil. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> wow, which is a lot of oil. Yeah, um, yeah. So. I think of the Exxon Valdez leaking all over the place. Oh, it's horrible. And you know, we we broke down uh, almost hourly, and it really was, I think, a trip that was blessed. And I hate to attribute to some higher power, but it was certainly blessed by something because almost immediately, odd things started to happen, and you know, it was really highlighted by the fact that when we were on Interstate 40 going through Arkansas, we'd gotten some stickers made up for the car that said drive away cancer and that we were going coast to coast. And a little girl wrote on an envelope in the back of a really crappy Chevy Lumina that uh, she was 13 years old and she had cancer and wanted to talk. So pulled over in a BP gas station and she jumped out of the car and she wanted to know where I was going and what I was doing. And then she wanted to know, you know what happened when it rained and why the car had no windshield and all these things. And then she asked if she could have a ride. And so I looked at her mother, um, who had no idea who I was, and you know, gave her teenage daughter off to a stranger from California. And we went off into the countryside for about 40 minutes. And uh, you know, she wanted to know why there were so many fire extinguishers. And I explained it's a British car. It could catch on fire at any time. And yeah. oh. you know, she asked why there was no top. And I said, you know, there's just no room for one. And you know, I explained that the windshield had to fold down because I didn't think the sheet metal could hold it up. Right. Wow. And uh, when we got back, you know, her mother asked what she talked about. And I told her, and she said, well, did she say anything else? And I said, no. And uh, it turns out they're on their way back from her chemotherapy session at uh, the University of Arkansas, Little Rock. Mm-hmm. And she'd been crying all day. She'd been in a lot of pain um, and had really been sick. And she never talked about that at all. Wow. And I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And as we kind of got going, you know, we eventually made it to South Carolina, and a man saw something at the gas station, and he pulled out his wallet, and I thought he was going to give me some money, and I kind of put up my hand to say, no, I, I don't want the money, and uh, pulled out a picture. Mm. And he said, uh, are you going back to California? And I said, I, I certainly hope so. And he said, would you uh, do me a favor? And I said, sure. And he handed me a picture of his wife. And uh, he said, this is Colleen, and he had just lost her. And he said, uh, I always promised to show her the Pacific Ocean. And uh, when we were young, we had no no money. And when we had kids, we had no time. And then she, when she got sick, uh, it was just never possible. And he said, would you take her back? Wow. And, you know, by this point in time, I've got tears, you know, yeah. rolling down the cheeks. And, <laughs> Me too right now. Holy cow. 
And so uh, I went to the gas station. They gave me a baggie. We got some tape, and I taped her picture of the dash. Um, and she accompanied me back across country. And, you know, by that point, you know, we didn't tell anyone we were, we were going until after we'd left and we'd started a Facebook page. And by this point in time, you know, three days in or three and a half days in, you know, we were up to a few thousand followers who were kind of anxiously awaiting to see what would happen. And unfortunately, the engine at this point was really starting to die. We were down to about eight pounds of oil pressure and I'd lost the rings. And so we were getting fuel cascading down the cylinder wall, pressurizing the crankcase. So we were blowing oil out like, you know, like a whole oil tanker. And I was having to change the oil about every 45 minutes on the side of the road. And so people would meet me and take the old oil and give me new oil. And we were just kind of hopscotching our way across country. And uh, I spun a, a rod bearing in Texas outside of Shamrock. And I got on Facebook and said, you know, I, I think we're done. I, I did my best. And we certainly, you know, did all, all that we could. And within minutes, you know, we had messages from all over the, the world. You know, a guy in Australia said, you know, I'll fly out to America. I'll help you rebuild the engine. He said, but please, dear God, don't quit. And it turns out we got some tremendous assistance from a, a woman in New Mexico who managed to get her husband's trailer and truck to get us to a safe place. And we did a, a bottom end rebuild overnight. Oh, my God. We assisted wow. to a, a great guy named David Porter. And uh, we blew literally in the Monterey, I mean, blowing smoke that you could see from miles away and made it. Wow. You know, I kind of thought that was it. You know, I mean, it was a great, you know, almost 8,000 mile drive and we'd shown, you know, what could be done. And it really changed um, earlier that spring, the next spring, when Amy, the little girl that we had first met in Arkansas, called us and said that uh, because it was unlikely she would make it um, to high school and, and go to a prom, that the principal of the local school agreed to let her go. And she wanted Grace and I, and we, by this point, nicknamed the car Grace. Um, she wanted us to be her date. Oh, cool. So I made plans to uh, to go out there and, and drive the car out in May. And uh, un- unfortunately, uh, she passed away before that happened. Mm. And uh, um, I was devastated by that and really unsure of what to do. And we had some great partners at Moss Motors and eBay Motors, as well as some other places that said, you know, why, why don't you go, just go out for a drive? And so originally the plan was to do um, 50 states and 50,000 miles and visiting sick children. And so we went off and uh, we would get, you know, invitations from families or doctors or caregivers. And, you know, pretty early on, I decided that uh, we had to be at least, you know, watched over by some guardian angel. And so we decided to let the kids drive. And so if they were small enough, they would sit on my lap and I'd kind of put the thumb on the wheel and they would drive. Yeah. And so kids started to drive and, and then word kind of spread that, you know, there's this crazy guy from California that <laughs> yeah. wherever you are in the country, he will come and let you drive a car. Yeah. And, you know, these kids um, tended to be the worst of the worst in terms of their, their health and prognosis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it's true that w- w- wherever they were, um, we would go. And, uh, you know, we were in Kentucky on our way to Texas to see a little girl. And uh, her mother called and said that uh, they had taken her to Boston um, for treatment. So we turned around and went to Boston, you know, stopping every uh, every few miles for repairs because we never fixed the car. And I got taken to task by one reporter who said, you know, what you're doing is, is wholly irresponsible, you know, breaking down all the time. said, so, you know, you could do it in a more modern car and you could do it in something more reliable. 
And I told him, I said, you know, you're, you're missing the point because sometimes you can't fix what's wrong. You know, sometimes you just have to deal with what you have. And people follow this and people get inspiration from this, not because we get somewhere. They get inspired by this because they want to see what happens when we break. Because all the thousands of times that the car broke down, we continue to get up and carry on. And, and that was kind of the message of all this thing. And, you know, we got to Boston, this little girl, Emma, just had the greatest personality in the world. You know, she drove the car for three and a half hours. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And at the end, you know, we said, if there's anything you know, that she'd like, and she said, you know, there's a, a little boy that she had met online, um, and they kind of had this incredible support network set up who had brain cancer in Delaware, and he had heard about another little boy in Michigan who builds toy chests and stocks them with donated toys, and he really wanted one of these toy chests, but they were too big to ship. Um, she said, because I, I was driving, she said, would you drive to Michigan and pick up this toy chest and deliver it to Delaware? And, you know, at that point, you know, you can say is, of course. So I, I called the little boy's mother in Delaware and said, you know, um, I'm here with Emma. And she asked if I would deliver a toy chest to, to Gracie. Um, would that be all right? And she said, that's fantastic, but, you know, don't bother um, because you're not going to make it. And I said, um, you know, if it's all the same to you, I'll try. And so we spent uh, the next 54 hours awake driving to Michigan and back to Delaware um, and got the toy chest to Grayson. Um, you know, and, and of all the races I've been in and all the, the competitive driving I've done, I've never raced for something more important. Wow. Because, you know, that's, that's a type of, of thing that uh, is different. Um, yeah. Because that's life and death. And, you know, it's, it's funny, Grace was on display at the Simeon Museum and, uh, you know, Dr. Fred really saw the car as emblematic of, of the theme of the entire museum, which is the spirit of competition. Right. Um, right. Because, you know, Grace may not be a traditional race car in the truest sense, but she was certainly a race car in the real sense that, uh, you know, she traveled back and forth. She, she, we had to get to a, a, a little girl in Tennessee at a time when we were having just the worst vibration problems and I couldn't keep the generator on the car. So, but every half hour I have to pull over and replace all the generator mounting bolts. And wow. doing that literally every half hour was taking its toll. And, and we knew that this little girl was, was not doing well. Um, and we were late, which, which happened a lot, but we always managed to get there. We got there late at night on a, on a Friday night and she lived in a, a very small 500 square foot kind of prefabricated home that was off a main road that was on a gravel road, then became a dirt road, and then it was kind of like a path in the grass. And uh, she had all of her friends from the hospital there. So there were like four or five little girls in the car. And I think there was a photograph that I sent you of that yes, in, yes. in the night. Yeah. And she drove until almost dawn. Oh my gosh. Wow. And we, we finally stopped. Her mother was just in tears. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, what's wrong? You know, I said, we made it. And she said, you know, they won't deliver a pizza to the year. And you came from across country. And for these little kids, because these little kids didn't know where Austin Healy was. And, and they didn't quite fathom anything other than the fact that a car came from a very long distance away to see them. Mm-hmm. And it was just for them. And, you know, for some of these kids that heard about the car, um, you know, I'll never forget, we had been in touch with this young man for, for almost a year and a half. 
through this treatment. And when he finally got the chance to see Grace and drive Grace, when we showed up outside of his house, he spent the first half hour laying on her bonnet. I mean, just literally hugging the car. Oh, wow. <laughs> and his mother said, you know, I bet you think this is pretty odd. I said, in the litany of things that have happened over this drive, this isn't even cracked the top down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She said, you know, that car is so important. And for a lot of people, you know, we got um, a message from a family who start off you know, saying that, you know, we just lost our father today, which is, which is tough to hear. He went on and said, you know, but the last thing we did as a family is we read him an article about your drive. Oh, wow. And said, you know, even though he couldn't talk or respond, said, we knew he, he would have loved to have been with you. And uh, when I did end up seeing the family, they, they brought me inside and sat me down. And they said, you know, we'd, we'd love for you to have our dad with you. And uh, not quite sure what that meant, but they asked if I would take his, his ashes. And so his ashes are, are still in the car now. And oh, wow. uh, one of several. We have locks of hair. We have mementos and thousands of photographs. There's a special compartment in the engine where we carry letters to loved ones. Mm-hmm. That they somehow think, you know, the family somehow think Grace can deliver. You know, so it really was a special, a, a special trip. And, and you know, to cover that many miles uh, in a car like that, you know, something I'll never forget. You know, we, we saw more than 20,000 children and covered more than 300,000 miles in, in a car with no roof, no windshield, no heater. And that was through rain and hail and snow and heat. Wow. And uh, everything else. So it, it was, you know, it was one of the things that of the thousands and thousands of people that helped us out with parts and, and gas and oil and everything else. And all the mechanical work that needed to be done on a daily basis, I would tell them that, you know, this is the best thing you'll ever do in your life. Mm-hmm. It's funny, Dave Lachance from Hemmings wrote, and he said, you know, this is the true mitzvah. <laughs> and, and not being Jewish, I didn't quite understand until later, but uh, I guess he, Dave was right that, you know, we didn't ask for anything. We really didn't raise much money, you know, just to kind of keep the car going if we could. Right. And, and it wasn't to promote awareness for cancer because, you know, there are certainly bigger charities that did that. It wasn't to, you know, I said raise money. It, it, the only thing we wanted to do was to make the people whose lives were affected by the illness better for a half hour, an hour, or however long mm-hmm. we were there because we could do it, you know. And sometimes you just have to do what you can. And right. it's it wasn't much, but it's stunning to think now, you know, a couple of years later that how big a difference it made. And we continually get requests from you know, families of, of children that have been lost for pieces of the car to be buried with them. Yeah. Um, you know, we never threw away, away anything that, that came off the car, even the rust. You know, we had a whole giant hefty sack full of body rust oh that would God. continually work its way off the car. <laughs> yes. And I mean, people would, would just ask, like, you know, there were relics from a saint mm-hmm. for, for parts of the car. Right, um, right. You know, I think we may have a, a mutual friend, but Stephanie Barassa. Yes. In Scottsdale, Arizona, uh-huh. um, who was an, er- an early supporter of the drive, had Grace's connecting rod, the only one that never failed um, throughout the drive, and she kept it by her bedside um, until she died. Wow. So, you know, it it's one of those things, it's kind of like the moon program that, you know, if you didn't have all the photographs and all the written records showing that it happened, you'd, you'd look back and go, there's no way that happened. Yeah. Because it just strains credulity to think that we made it anywhere. You know, I know my friends, when we first set out on the very first cross-country drive, were taking bets. And I think the farthest they would have to get to was Palm Springs, <laughs> which was probably about 100 miles away. Right. So, you know, so it's covered, you know, the distance we did is, is pretty impressive. Man, John... Um... 
Wow. <laughs> it's just, it's overwhelming. And what's really cool about this to me, I need a second. It's all right, Mark. It happens to, happens to everybody. I mean, it, it, if you can get through this without crying, you're a better man than I am. So. <laughs> yeah. Give me a minute. Well, you fit the mold of inspiration. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts? Actually, I fit the mold of uh, insane automotive enthusiasts, but that's okay. That's, uh, <laughs> You're funny. Okay, calm down here, Mark. You can get through this. <sighs> it's a real tough. <laughs> yeah, not, you know, and I appreciate Thanks for putting up with me there for a minute. Holy cow. You know, uh, everything that, that Cars has about has to do with people, really, more than cars. And I love the metaphor here of grace being hope. Well, it's funny. Um, I've never been one to nickname a car. The night before we left, a good friend of mine who was helping us uh, try to get ready for this trip said, you know, I think we should name the car something. And I said, I'd rather not. And he kind of went through a few things and, and he threw out grace. And, and I'd had a, I had a very dear friend at the time who just lost her husband and her name was Grace. And she was cantankerous and difficult, and, you know, but never quit. And I thought that actually was probably pretty appropriate. And, it actually fit, but you know, as we kind of went along, other people saw this, and so there are other cars doing this now. And one of them is named Hope. And one of them is named Faith, and <laughs> there you go. Another one's named Ginger, and <laughs> <laughs> there's a car in Iowa named Johnny. I don't know who that's named after, but anyway. Well, you know, let me interject here a little bit now that I've got my composure back. Ooh, thanks for putting up with me there, but brought back some tough ones. Yeah, you know, and and I asked you when you were on the show yesterday when we talked about. Your book, and this is this has turned into a very different show than a traditional Cars yeah interview. I kind of knew this is where it was going to go anyway, and I'm glad we went down this path because the story is just. I, I, I bet we could do a thousand shows with the thousands of stories that you experienced. But I asked you yesterday about an inspirational quote, and you had a great quote that related to the book. Is there a different quote that ties in with this experience you had? You know, I. Uh I lost my father at a young age um, to cancer, and, and sometime around that period, I was watching an old Twilight episode called uh, Twilight Zone episode called Changing of the Guard, and there was a, a Horace Mann quote in that that said, uh, "You know, be ashamed until you have won some victory for humanity," and it always kind of stuck with me. And, and I'd always, you know, and part of my reason for loving British cars so much is, is the underdog story, and. I I always am drawn to stories about desperate circumstances with almost no hope and, and no way out. And this kind of was the ultimate manifestation of that because it was a way to show that in you know darkest of circumstances and some of the most desperate times that sometimes it's enough to refuse to allow you to succumb to that and to just do what you can to move forward. And, and I think that, you know, for all of these families that we met, it gave them something, you know, to believe in just to see if we were going to make it. And then once they saw, you know, the car and their kids behind the wheel, you know, of the thousands of children, you know, who drove Grace, not one of them talked about cancer. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could forget about it. I mean, they would ask if they were going to die because they saw the fire extinguishers or smelled the gasoline and you know, maybe yeah. thought that they were going to you know, burst into flames at any moment, but they weren't thinking about the disease. Right. And the right. fact that, you know, we had this little girl, in fact, I think there's a picture of it, a, a little girl who's actually much older than she looks, but she's just absolutely tiny. 
her doctor had actually gotten a hold of us and she had been telling all the kids um, in the hospital she was going to be a race car driver when she grew up. And I think if you looked at her, you knew that uh, it was unlikely she was going to get to that point. But we ended up getting out there and she was just absolutely tiny and she was small enough that she could actually stand on my thighs as she drove the car. Oh my goodness. And so we went out to the upper level of the parking structure there at the children's hospital in Aurora and I had my racing helmet with me and put it on her. Oh goodness. Yeah. And we took all these photographs and she's so small that when she was driving the car it looked like it was just her. If she could see the you know, see her. And uh so the next time, you know, when she would tell kids that she was gonna be a racing car driver and they kinda of scoffed at her, she would pull out this picture and said, See, I'm already a racing car driver. Yeah, yeah. And uh Nice. You know, those are the kind of things that um, I, I tell people I, I wouldn't do it again for a million dollars, but I wouldn't give it up for a million dollars either. Right. You know, it, it is one of those things that, you know, I can't really explain how it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and, and, and before we stopped doing interviews, uh, we were getting a, a fair amount of, of, of press coverage. And invariably, reporters would want to know why. You know, why, why are you doing this? And I guess the best answer would have been, you know, that I'm a little touched in the head. <laughs> I would inevitably kind of come back with, because if it was your kid, you'd go. Right. You know, yes. if that was your child, you know, in that situation, you would, there was nothing you wouldn't do to try to make their life better for a little bit. And, you know, not having kids of my own, you know, and, and having a lot of empathy um, for people in that position, I think... It just made sense. And the reason it continued for so long is I could never figure out a way to tell the next kid, no. You know, I mean, how do you tell that next family that, you know, sorry, we, we gave up? Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't until the car absolutely died and we couldn't afford to fix it anymore that, uh, that we gave up. So, Where is Grace today? Well, right now she's in Princeton, New Jersey, having just appeared at two national events. She spent uh, most of last year at the Simeon Museum in uh Philadelphia, and uh, after that, she was at the British Sports Car Hall of Fame display in uh, in Virginia. So she kind of makes her way to uh, various museums and events uh, on request. If you go online and just search "drive away cancer," you'll see a Facebook page and other stuff. And you'll notice that the car is actually covered by tens and tens of thousands of signatures with the names of the people that have driven the car, and, and also memorializing the names of, of people that have been lost to the disease. Mm-hmm. And so it looks almost like a, a, a rolling monument um, for people. Yeah, I, I'm just online now. Just I haven't done it in, in probably a year. But you know, if if you just Google driveway cancer, you'll you'll just find thousands of images of the car festooned with all these names in sharpie. It, it's an amazing thing. I mean, it really is. You know, like I said I look back and I. I sometimes think no way it could have happened yeah yeah, it was it was magic is what it was so wow you know as i said earlier this show has turned into something completely different than i've experienced here on cars and i've experienced some absolutely spectacular people inspirational people but what you did john is a massive inspiration to everybody out there and I, i hope our talk today has spurred some great thought in people that you can make a difference in a big way, in a little way, in a massive way, in some kind of way, in using your passion for cars 
is a very interesting and possible way to do it. And uh, it's just it's just the whole story is absolutely mesmerizing to me and absolutely spectacular. I know that there's a bunch of listeners out there right now just going, wow, how could I do something like that? How could I – what would be a word of advice for somebody who is listening and going, I want to do something? What could you offer them? Well, that's real easy. And, and, and I'll tell you this. The total – gestation period for this entire drive was less than 72 hours. And that's the key. That if you want to do something and, and you feel moved to do something, the important thing is to just go out and do it. And it doesn't matter if you break down just a few miles from where you started. The key is to, to get back behind the wheel and, and to keep on moving. Right. You know, if, if I had thought about this or planned it out, I would never have left because it just it wouldn't have made sense. And I could have talked my way out of it a hundred different times. Sure. But the fact is that once you get behind the wheel, anything's possible, you know, and momentum's a wonderful thing because you know, momentum can make the smallest car seem fast as long <laughs> yes. as you never slow down. Yes. Ah, you know, that's, that's awesome. What a great quote there, especially as it relates to British cars and what you took on here. So, wow. Well, again, for those listeners out there that want to learn more, what's the best way for them to go and learn more about this incredible, amazing, wonderful journey that you took? Well, because it's not the most organized entity in the world, the best way is probably uh, keep in touch with us on Facebook. But if you Google driveway cancer, you'll see a whole bunch of articles and, and things, and there's some videos we did a lot of media in the very beginning, and, you know, it's one of those things that we love to hear from people. You know, we keep in touch with almost every family we've ever visited, whether the children are still with us or not, um, because it really created just a, a family of sorts among the various people involved. And so, you know, I was very surprised to find out later that other people were doing the exact same thing. In fact, there was this, this one crazy Irishman who had, had kind of heard about the, what we were doing, and it inspired him to sell his belongings and to buy an old bike with a sidecar to drive around the world. Oh my goodness. So, wow. You know, wow. And, and you never, and yeah. you know, I, uh, I, I'm an old baseball fan too. And in 1950, when, uh, Joe DiMaggio was at the end of his career and Mickey Mantle was at the very beginning, at the end of the season, the Yankees had already clinched the pennant. A short fly ball was hit to, to right center field and Joe DiMaggio um, hustled over and kind of, Slid on his rear end and, and caught the ball. And it was the third out, and they're running back to the dugout. Mickey Mantle looks at him and says, you know, what are you doing? You know, we punched the pennant. Save yourself for the World Series. And, and DiMaggio kind of looked at him and said, because there may be a kid in those stands that's never seen me play. <laughs> and so the lesson from that is you never know who's watching, you know, and you never know who you might inspire or how it might affect them. And it's so important to just go out and do something, even when you don't think it's going to matter, because you never know who's watching. And especially when it comes to kids and cars and everything else, the reason I like to drive old cars as often as possible is some of these kids have never seen one. Right. And, you know, we're not going to have future enthusiasts if they don't know what the cars are. There you go. Very well said. Wow. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything John has shared on his show notes page. This is very different Cars Yeah show that you've got to experience today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as... I did, and you were inspired as much as I have been. And remember, you can make a difference in a big way, in a little way. And I hope that you uh, check out what John did. Check out his Facebook page, his website, and go make a difference in somebody's life today, tomorrow, because you can. John, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible experiences with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Wow, what a show. 
Until you and I talk again, and I hope it's soon, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. It was an absolute pleasure. Fantastic. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!